very, uh, it was a very, very nice uh, uh, <laughs> uh, evening in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's nice where you are uh, and whatever you're doing in the world. Uh, you know, we don't have time to be depressed, feel lonely, feel out of it, feel helpless. We got to get out here and take back our country. And Stormy Daniels, if you guys haven't heard about it, Stormy Daniels is writing a book, and I'm hearing that it will be out um, October 2nd, 2018. So uh, it, it's it's book after book after book after book that slams Donald Trump. And uh, I, I remember Fire and Fury. Uh, Katie Turr uh, of, I believe, of CNN, she has a book. Of course, you know, Fear, Robert, uh, Bob Woodward, and now Stormy Daniels. Uh, I can't, from, we can't forget Omarosa's book. And now Stormy Daniels. I mean, <laughs> people are writing books. I guess we're going to get one from uh, McDougal, Karen McDougal. Next, I mean, she claimed she had an affair with Donald Trump, and there was a disclosure agreement. It is so many books, but but there are actually more books than what I just mentioned written about Donald Trump. You're just not hearing about some of these other books, tens of hundreds of other books, because the author isn't their names aren't as you know uh, out there as. Uh, some of the other ones are. They're not as famous as some of the other people. That's why you don't hear something about some of the other authors. But there's there's Googles of books out there that's being written by written uh, uh, about Donald Trump. I'm doing one. You know, I don't expect it to be a bestseller. <laughs> it would be nice, like Bob Woodward. But uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? But there's a lot of books, and Stormy Daniels have one, and it's just awful. The shit just keeps uh, drowning Trump. Just so much. And I'm hearing those folks in Dublin, Ireland, they have scared Trump off. He was he was uh, scheduled for a meeting uh, sometime in the future. And I and they were planning all kinds of protests and everything, all that kind of thing. And, and Trump decided he wasn't going to go. He did the right thing. I mean, you don't go to a country that's – that every part of that country – is going to be protesting you. It, that's a dangerous thing. That's dangerous. And uh, I'm pretty sure his advisors told him not to do that. And he took their advice. Because Trump is a coward. This man is a straight up coward. And I want to wish. Um, send prayers to all of those folks out there. In, in between um, North Carolina and South Carolina. In the eye of this monster hurricane. It is a monster hurricane. I'm hearing that now it didn't change directions. Uh, I, I'm really not following the the hurricane uh, uh, Florence, as they call it, as much as I probably should be. So I don't I don't know that much about it, but I do know that uh, it's bad. It's big. Did you hear Trump? I mean, he said. <laughs> I mean, it's all over social media. Trump saying that the uh, hurricane is is tremendously big and tremendously wet. Hurricanes are not wet. They're dry. <laughs> and, 
and uh, Twitter just ripped him a new asshole for saying that. They ripped him a new and right quick. Uh, he's been he is being called dumb and stupid all over the fucking world for for that comment and a whole lot of others. But this one just took everybody by surprise, uh, saying that the hurricane out in you know the Atlantic heading towards or about to make downfall uh, between or either on the North Carolinas is just ridiculous. Hurricane's big, and if he doesn't know anything about a hurricane, he can always, he has access to all kind of meteorologists, weathermen and weather women, uh, all kinds of uh, intelligence or uh, information on hurricanes. He doesn't have to get on television and make an ass out of himself, but Donald Trump chose to do that. And it's coming back to bite him immensely. <laughs> immensely. And he's always trying to talk about how smart and how intelligent he is and the colleges that he went to. Apparently, he didn't learn anything. He probably had, you know, some sort of autism or something and some sort of a learning disability because he didn't learn nothing. Uh, Anybody can tell you, if you don't know what you're talking about, go research it. Go look it up. Ask somebody. Ask somebody who who knows these things. And then come back and then get in front of the camera and say, don't talk about something. Don't try to tell us something uh, about something, if I said that correctly. Don't try to tell us something that you don't know, (laughs) because we're going to find it out quick that you don't know. Wow, this guy is something else. Trump, (laughs) (laughs) it's so laughable that... um, how he's wrecking the country and how he just despises America. And he keeps, he re, he really doesn't care anything about America. And we know it. He knows it. I don't know why he keeps trying to appear as if he's doing something for America. He's doing this for himself. He's wrecking America for himself. He's, he, he's going down. He knows he's going down. He knows more about these indictments and subpoenas and, and what the, Next move is going to be with Mueller. Then we do. Then the public does. He knows this coming. He he gets this stuff firsthand. If there's going to be an indictment of Donald Trump, Donald Trump knows it already. We don't. The public. If there's going to be a subpoena of Donald Trump, Donald Trump knows it, but we do not. If Don Jr. If Don Donald Trump Jr. goes to jail, he knows about it more so than we do, because Mueller. And his lawyers, they inform him, inform the Trump administration of what's about to be leaked to the public or what's about to be uh, put out in the public, uh, put out in the public uh, concerning the White House. So they know a lot of what's going to happen before it actually hits the public. I mean, for instance, you take Ivanka Trump. She got rid of her... uh, a clothing line <laughs> in some of these stores. Uh, she, her business, she nixed her business because she knew that uh, the Justice Department, Robert Mueller, was going to come after her for the emolument clause, which is working for the government and then uh, collecting 
uh, and still in business and getting profits from your business. That's against the law. That's against constitutional law. So she got rid of her line of closing, closing, clothing. Okay. Uh, it's been a long day, folks. Clothing. <laughs> anyway, it is just something. I mean, what's going on in the world today? I mean, every day you wake up, there's something new. There's something out of the ordinary that's coming out of this administration. This is the worst administration, the worst the worst um, manure on America ever. Nothing has ever happened like this. This is Watergate times 20. I, the other day I said Watergate times 10, but it always increases with Donald Trump. We had 9-11, for instance. I mean, Donald Trump fist pumped and gave a thumbs up as if those folks who who were there at that 9-11 service was there for him. Every place he goes, he mucks it up and he makes it all about himself. Not about the victims, not about the family members, not about the tragedy, but about him. It's all about him. Those folks were not there for him. They were there for the memorial service, which most presidents take a part in. But it's not for presidents. It's not to be used as political. But Trump, he finds a way to do it because he's Donald Trump. And like some of the commentators and the pundits say on cable news, well, that let Donald Trump be Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is always Donald Trump. I mean, you can always tell if Donald Trump's not himself. If he's reading a speech or something, if he's reading a teleprompter, is reading something for if you're reading something from what someone else had written for him, that's not Donald Trump. He's just reading words, but he doesn't really feel any of those words in his heart. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just coming on the air, folks. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, we weren't, unfortunately, we weren't on the air yesterday. I do apologize for that, Who those folks who were uh waiting to listen to the show live, but you can always listen to any podcast there. I mean, I've, I've gotten about over 500. Yeah, 500. Actually, it's probably a thousand, but we had to uh, delete, a, delete some of them. But uh, it's always something there to listen to if I'm not on live. So uh, there you go. <laughs> the George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. And uh, there is something here, folks, is saying that the... Uh, the Catholic Church is losing its most devoted followers. I would think so. I would, I would think not only the Catholic Church, but majority of the churches around America are probably uh, hungering for someone to fill that, collect, that collection plate. A lot of the churches are. I'm, I'm, I think that probably a lot of these cults uh, that call themselves churches are feeling the heat too. Membership is down. I can't wait to hear about it hitting Joel Osteen. <laughs> that guy. Because he's, he's one of the biggest frauds there is. Joel Osteen, uh, Franklin Graham, all, uh, his sister or, or, or his mother, all these crazy lunatic people you see on social media uh, that, that, are, that make these dumb comments, these stupid statements. 
a lot of people make dumb comments and stupid statements for one reason, and that's to get attention. They say something stupid and dumb. Hey, wow, they make the front page of the Washington Post. They say something stupid and dumb. Hey, wow, they're all over Huffington Post uh, or, or uh, MSNBC or something just because they said something stupid. And the fact that they're, they not only said something stupid, but they're prominent people. They're famous people. I mean, if I said something stupid, I mean, no, nobody's going to put, put me up on a pedestal uh, like the Washington Post or the New York Times. But if, you know, but if, let's say if Barack Obama said something ignorant, I mean, it'll be everywhere. But a lot of times, a lot of these uh, websites, these publications, uh, they publish these uh, stupid statements by popular people, by famous people. Just to let the public know how stupid these people are, that you once thought they had some sort of a, uh, some kind of morals, and they have none, you know. So, uh, and that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's uh, the Catholic Church is losing its most devoted followers, and uh, okay, it says if the Catholic Church survives its latest scandal. The concealment of 300 predator priests in in six Pennsylvania uh, diocese. It will be because of um, and in populations of the United States and the, and the Central and South America. Okay, all right. Many many of my happiest memories are from childhood. Take place in the. Okay, all right. Okay, this article is a little bit confusing. But anyway, you get my drift. The, the uh, Catholic Church membership is way, way down because of the uh, priest and their sexual uh, molestation of children. Children. I could never see myself going to another Catholic Church because of this. I mean, I, I grew up thinking that being going to a Catholic Church and being a Christian was one of the greatest things uh, that could happen to any American. Even though I was not a Christian, I was not going to a Catholic church, but I, 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 I had heard and read so much about it that it makes you want to think if you didn't go to a Catholic church, if you weren't a Christian, then you were, a, you were not an American. That's the way it felt. So you want to say, wow, man, I wish I could go to a Catholic church. you know. But I have been to Catholic churches and, uh, you know, because they're here and there throughout the community in America. You see them. But, you know, um, just the other day, I think it was two, a couple of weeks ago, um, the Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, a priest was taken out of that parish because of uh, sexual uh, content, sexual uh, content and, you know, involving children. In Chicago, yeah. And I know it's happening in other churches. I know it ha- is happening at, in other churches and other do- denominations all around the world. People are starting to wake up. This is a scam. This, this is a bunch of bullshit. This is a scam to get your money. This is a, a scam to try to control you. This is a scam to say, hey, wow, you better be good or you're going to go to hell. Total scam. And people are waking up, and I'm glad. 
that people are waking up and leaving a lot of these cults. Uh, you don't want to be controlled. You don't want to be manipulated. You want to. You don't want to be told who to talk to, where to go, <laughs> what television programs to watch, what what people you can talk to. Some of these cults won't even let you talk to your relatives. There's something. They put you in some sort of timeout. <laughs> even talk to your relatives, and they're the ones that get your money, telling you. And brainwashing them, brainwashing, excuse me, brainwashing some of them into thinking that they're going to heaven and the rest of us who do not play by their game, we're going to hell. Bullshit. Total bullshit. Um, And the Catholic Church and the followers of those Catholic churches are saying the same thing. This is bullshit. This is total bullshit. These people supposed to be <laughs> working for God. Aids to God. Aids to Jesus. And they're raping children. Stealing your money. Controlling you. And so many people let it happen. They let it happen. And they're letting it happen and getting on those who are not Letting themselves being controlled. Oh, come over and be controlled like we are. Let them control you like they control us. Really? Really? Because that's all it is. My manipulation and control. That's what these churches, cults out here want. And they're getting them. Especially with the poor people. I mean, the poor people feel they, they don't have no money. They ain't got this. They don't have that. So they have to go uh, listen to some jack leg preacher that's going to tell them get right with God and everything. No, no, no. All right. Stormy Daniels has written, is, is, has a book coming out. Stormy Daniels, this is about the fifth or sixth book that's going to tear Donald Trump's ass open. And he, I know he's got to be going crazy. I don't see why he doesn't resign. I just don't see why he doesn't resign because the shit is going to continue to hit the fan until he's out of office. And one of the reasons why he's still in office is because of Congress and because they're aiding and abetting and they're complicit. But even still, once the Democrats take over in the midterms, and let's hope so, let's hope that they do because if because if the Republicans win in November we're fucked we are totally totally screwed but I don't think that's going to happen because the wind is pointing toward a blue wave so I don't think that's going to happen but I'm just trying to reiterate what is at stake is at stake. We must not, and I said this the other day on the show, we must send, when, when we go out there to vote, we have to send a message. We have to send a good, strong, and viable message to, to the Republicans. Because if we just win the uh, House of Representatives, yeah, it's, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be that much. But if we win both houses, the Senate, and also the Senate, and we win big. 
That is sending a message to Donald Trump supporters and the complicit Republicans. The Republicans are saying that if the Democrats win the House of Representatives, they're going to investigate Trump to death. As if that's uh, as if that's something that shouldn't be done. It's something that they should be doing, investigating him to death, having hearings on this stuff, investigating uh, his ties with Russia, investigating his treasonous uh, comments uh, in Helsinki, investigating uh, what Cohen, his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, has said that he was complicit with him in rigging the election to get for him to win. You got a you got a four, five, six, or seven investigations into Donald Trump that everybody else is doing, but Congress is not doing it. Congress need Donald Trump to seat this guy. To seat this guy, we don't need to be there. From my understanding, he got caught lying. So therefore he um could be held in contempt or he could be held uh, on a perjury rap. But you know what? The president doesn't care. They don't care if this guy is lying or not. They don't give a damn. They They just want him in the Supreme Court so he can upend everything. And this is why I say, listening to Brent Kavanaugh, which is the nominee for the Supreme Court, uh, the guy's probably lying through his teeth about everything. I don't believe anything he says uh, because I don't think he's saying what he's really going to do when he gets in, uh, when he, if he gets in, uh, if he is seated on the Supreme Court. He's going to try and make Donald Trump above the law. He's going to rip away Roe versus Wade. So it's vital that Democrats, uh, not one Democrat, vote for this guy. And a few Republicans, uh, maybe a couple of Republicans, vote against him, and he will not be seated on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell is going to be pissed. Paul Ryan is going to be pissed. Because this is what they want. I mean, this is supposedly... um, Paul Ryan's last go around. This is his last rodeo. He will not be in Congress uh, 2019. Um, yeah, 2019. Uh, he says he's done with it. <laughs> he's done with it. Yeah, he's done with lying. We'll be right back, folks. So let's look at what the president said yesterday. President Trump attempting to walk back his statements. Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
back, folks. The Catholic Church is losing its most devoted followers. Wow, that has to tear a hole in somebody. Okay, let's go here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, Tori Terry. Oh, are you scheduled? Yes. For, for, oh, <laughs> man, it must be me. All right. It must be me. I know. I know. I did uh, schedule you because. Uh, oh wow! I'm. I. I am. All right. Anyway, I'm thinking about something else here. Anyway, Tori Terry is on the show, everybody, and forgive me for my, uh, uh, you know, uh, blackout here. So uh, <laughs> forgive me for that. But Tori Terry is on the show here, and uh, it happens, I guess. Anyway. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for calling. My my bad. But uh, anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, uh, and why should we? You know, you're an author. I'm I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your book. Okay. Well, you know, my name is Tori Terry. You know, I stay down in Miami. I'm 31 years old, soon to be 32. You know, Scorpio, November. That'd be my time. Uh, I'm calling <laughs> yeah, because okay. I, I wrote I wrote a book about my stepdad. Uh, okay. He was one of the uh, original gangsters in Miami uh, from back in the late uh, '80s, early '90s. You know, uh, he was uh, he was gracious enough to you know share his story and and I mean he gave a lot of Miami history, life lessons, and 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 some real authenticity about uh, you know about being real. Both to yourself and to the streets. Yeah, he. I mean, you wrote a book about him. Is, is it something like an autobiography or a memoir or? Uh, it's more like uh, a, it's more like a playwright. It's, it's a actually playwright. you're gonna wake up. Yep, you're gonna wake up with him. You're gonna see how he walked, how he how he talked with his with the people that were around him, how he dealt with the the streets, how the streets dealt with him. You know, okay, and, and it sounds like it sounds like you admired him. He gave he gave a lot of lessons towards um, how to stand up, like, how to stand up as a man when it comes to these streets, and how not to get tangled up in mm-hmm. in the bad that the that the world kicks out. Yeah, you know, and he yeah. showed me how to how to move forward through all kind of adversities, uh, you know, in life. Yeah, yeah. At least you had something or someone growing up. I mean, a lot of, you know, young African-American children, they don't have anybody, you know, to look up to, you know. True. Um, and and I, can, and I can include myself in that. When I was growing up, man, I didn't have anybody. No father, no big brother, no nothing. Even though I wished I had those things so I could learn, but nothing. So I commend you on having someone to look up to and to learn from and uh and and you decided to write a book. That's great. Uh, um, well, you know, when it came when it came with mm-hmm. me, you know, I had uh, the best of both worlds. Uh-huh. You know, my my real dad, my real dad is also alive too, but that is on the more business aspect of life. Uh huh. You know, Tori, can you speak up? I think. Yes, you can hear me now. Or- yeah, yeah, you were fading out of a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. No problem. 
uh, yes, I, I was saying that I got I have the best of both worlds because you know my real dad he's also still alive but he's more on the the business world than the business aspect. He's more he he he's more into uh, taking care of business than taking care of family business. Is that what you're trying to say? He has uh, a lot of businesses that he owns and a lot of you know corporate world. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, that, that's what I meant. Are you involved in any of his ventures or any of this uh, in any of his business? Are you and him involved or or me and my real dad or my stepdad? Who the book is about? The real dad who's in the business. Yes, I think I'm involved. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. So uh, this book. Um, uh, what is the title? Give us the title, a complete title. The title of the book is The Locks, Hated On With a Smile. You know, breaking that down, the locks stands for Opalaka, which is a city located in Miami. And the Hated On With a Smile are all of those friends that you have around you that that that, that be standing in the cut waiting on your downfall so that they can stand in your position and take your place. Wow, that's great. That's great. And what made you write the book? And will you be writing any more? Would you, are you going to be working on another book? The main objective for writing the book was to uh, literally, well, what we're doing right now, we're turning it into a script and we're actually on the motion of making this into a movie. Uh, yeah. This was the main reason to, uh, for writing the book was to make it a movie. Okay. All right. So uh, that's great, man. That's beautiful. I knew, I knew, that it was going to be a movie the minute you told me it was a playwright. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so you, you wrote it like a screenplay instead of a book. Uh, co- well, correct. Okay. A screenplay person. instead of a book. And you're pitching it around to a lot of uh, movie studios. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, uh, now we be around. I wish you a lot of luck on it, man. It sounds great. I mean, it's just, are are you, uh, will you be in it or someone be playing you growing up or, you know, well, obviously you know, someone's going to be playing in, your father. Well, you know, back then in those days, I was, I was too, I was too young. You know, I was, I was a little one, you know, we talk about back in the yeah. days, I was just really coming yeah. out. You know, my dad was, my uh, stepdad was really like, maybe, you know, was in and out. Of my mom's life, you know, we had, you know, a lot of things going on back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can, I can, I can agree because I, some of that stuff has happened to me too, doing growing up, coming up, you know. But, but sometimes uh, when we're out there and there's no one to look up to, there's no one to turn around and talk to. You have to kind of grow up fast, you know. <laughs> you have to grow up fast. And you, you, you're looking around for someone to show you and tell you this, and then you discover that you better learn those things on your own because no one's going to let you know anything about anything. And then you discover yeah, right. you got people. Then you discover you have people trying to hold you back when, you know, uh, they see you trying to make it or trying to uh, best yourself, be a better person. You, you have some people trying to hold you back, and you have to try to. Uh, uh, get away from those people to, uh, you know, try to be the best person that you can be. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are right. You know, yeah. My stepdad, he when he decided to, you know, come around and actually decide to marry my mom and and things like that, you know, he made sure that 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 I was right. He made sure that yeah. I got up and I made sure that I was uh, yeah. was done right. You know, he yeah. you know, him, my mom, you know, they kept they kept the bad out of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know. And they made sure that whatever whatever we learned, it was to it was to learn to get ahead and to stay ahead, and to not be fooled by anything the streets had to throw at you. See, currently right now, I'm a correction officer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I don't know. I had a different growing up. I didn't have a mother or a father telling me how important education was. I didn't have someone telling me. Uh, watch out for the streets or anything like that. I I just basically was on my own and figured things out for myself. I knew I didn't want to be out there in the streets and fooling around with those bad people. I knew that. Um, I knew I didn't like that, but nobody told me not anything about that. It just kind of, it just kind of came. We did, I mean, growing up as children, we did, we did a lot of things we shouldn't have done, even broken the law. And we did that. But, you know, I, I think that's just a part of growing up. You learned from it and you learn not to do it. You learn not, that you didn't want that. It, in order for you to, uh, you have to go through it and experience sometimes things that are lawless in order for you to realize that's not the way to go. That much is, that much is true. Yeah, I mean it's 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 when you're growing up because I grew up I didn't have a mother or father my father was I don't know my mother was illiterate my sisters and I don't think I don't think I just knew they existed I, that's all I knew and all I knew when I was growing up is that I wanted to make something out of myself believe me that's all I was thinking about I was I was ten twelve years old thinking hey I, I this is not the life for me I want to do something with my life. Uh, you know, hanging out like this is just not it for me. And and luckily for me, I I, I had some uh, people who were trying to hold me back, but I managed to break loose and and find out what I really wanted to do with my life, and I did it. Now that's amazing because a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of uh, kids can't see that, mm-hmm. and they can't look through they can't look through the woods for once they're standing in to see a greater mm-hmm. light. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. surroundings. Who did you surround yourself around? You know, to to or, you know, or what you surround yourself around to even see through. Yeah, I know. When I was coming up, I didn't have a big brother or a father, but you know who I hung out with? I hung out with people who are older than I was, because I always felt when I was. Like when I was 15 or 16, I always felt that people my age couldn't tell me anything. For some reason, I was just that, you know, gross. I mean, I was just saying, hey, I want to hang out with somebody. If I'm 15, let me hang out with somebody who's 20 or 30. You know, not all because I wanted to learn. I wanted to get that knowledge of what they knew. And maybe that could have helped me, you know, going forward in my life. 
you know, because there was nothing else. And I found and I found a lot of knowledge in books and newspapers and magazines, you know, because, like I said, growing up for me, I had nothing. I mean, there was nothing. It was just I was just out there, man. (laughs) And I knew I had to do something, you know, so. And you're right. A lot of young people, a lot of kids nowadays, they don't think like that. And uh, it's sad. It's sad. Hey, we need more of us in the world to, you know, show them the way, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, to show them the way. Okay, um, Tori Taylor, Tori, is it Tori Taylor or Terry Tori? Okay, sounds like you got two first names. Huh? It's Tori Terry. (laughs) Okay, Tori Taylor. Find out, find, find sounds like you got two first names. Tori Taylor. Terry, Terry, no, Tori, Terry. yeah, Tori, Terry, Terry. Okay, all right, Tori, Terry on the George Wilder Jr. Show, folks. Sorry for the mix-up there. I mean, it's it's been a long weekend. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, he's an author. He's a great author. And thanks, uh, uh, thanks for everything. Thanks, thanks for doing this show. Uh, thanks for hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for writing about yourself, Dad. That's great. I mean, you don't get too many people who write about their father or their stepdad or anything like that. And that's great. Um, where can we find a, where, is it a book or a screenplay or it's a, a combination of both? It's a combination of both. And you okay. can find it on, you can find it on Amazon. All you do is just type in the locks, hate it on with a smile. You can find it on Kobu. Uh, and you can find it on Barnes and Noble's Nook. Wow. Okay. Are you? I I asked this question earlier. Will you be writing another book? There will be another one coming. There will be another one coming afterwards. Hey and man, make it another one. I mean, correct. Make it another book because uh, 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 get it out there to the world, man. Teach the world, show the world, let the world know that you're here, and and a lot of things that you've experienced in in this book in this screenplay. A lot of it is you. Am I correct? No, it's all him. This is his story. Yeah, his story, but I guess what I'm saying, you're in there somewhere, though, right? I was a baby. (laughs) Oh, you were a baby. (laughs) I was a baby. (laughs) Okay, all right. I'm 31. We're talking about the late 80s, early, you know, late 80s, early 90s. You know, I was a baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? You were a baby. So in writing this book, you had... In writing this book or doing this, doing this, you had to do a lot of research then. Correct, and I had to do a lot of sit down with him, sit yeah. down, you know, you know, you know, listen to him. It took a lot of, you know, planning into it, you know, and and it took, you know, a lot of listening and 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 recording and putting it on paper and trying to get it all together, making it all flow and and this and and, and, and this, you know, it took it took all of that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Tori Terry on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank you so much, man. And you guys go out there. You go on Amazon and you get that book, uh, screenplay. And uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks. Would you like a um, uh, a link to the show? I can send you a link to this show that you're on. Maybe you can put it up somewhere on your website or someplace. I can send you a link in about uh, an hour. Yeah, sure. Yeah, most definitely. Okay. All right. Hey, and uh, good luck to you, man. It sounds like a great book. And uh, I will be hey, checking it out also. 
huh? mm-hmm. is going crazy in Miami right now. If you didn't know. <laughs> People pick it up and they can't put it down until they finish. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna check it out too, <laughs> and I'm gonna try to get everybody I know to check it out. You know, and that, uh, that is all. Uh, there you go. All right, thanks. And if you write another book, man, if you got something else you want to talk about, just have no uh, problem. You have no problem in calling or coming to the show. All right, being on the show. Hey, appreciate you for letting you know for allowing me to even use the platform. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. Take care, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. Tori Terry on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Ah, you get kind of tongue-tied and tongue-twisted with that, but get used to it, and it'll sound okay. All righty. The George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air, and if we can see if we can do this, we will be right back. Maxine Waters. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely.
far, sitting U.S. President Donald Trump is pretty much the only leader, uh, really not just around this country, but around the world, who has addressed the violence that took place in Charlottesville uh, this past weekend without specifically condemning white nationalists, white supremacism, neo-Nazi terrorism, uh, the likes of which took place in Charlottesville. Trump is the only leader. And um, because I believe in being kind and welcoming to guests, we're going to let our guests go first today, and we'll start with Senator Sanders. Uh, Senator Paul, thank you very much for holding this hearing, and let me thank uh, our panelists for, without exception, uh, their very cogent testimony. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution states very clearly, and I quote, Congress shall have the power to declare war, end quote. Founding fathers gave the power to authorize military conflicts to Congress for one very simple reason. Congress is the branch of the government that is most accountable to the people. There is no question but that over the years, Congress has allowed its authority over this very important issue of war-making to ebb. It is time for us to reassert that authority and to start asking some very tough questions about the wars, and I use the word wars, W-A-R-S, that we are currently in. Now, some people may think that this is an interesting, abstract discussion. We have brilliant constitutional scholars wonderful intellectual debate but let me assure every person here you know about fentanyl right you know about opioids you know that they're bad you probably don't know how bad in the country in 2016 we had just over 63,000 um, overdose deaths two-thirds of them were because of opioids that were laced with fentanyl it is a scourge the likes of which people who are in the uh, addiction community in the police community, they say they haven't seen anything like this ever. Not meth, not crack. And they're I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is the Resistance. I'm confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump, or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. 
Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice, from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment, as we were spared it with Nixon, if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome. That like even that, if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this 
The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend, but it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped and the ballgame was over even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ball game is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended...
Hi, I'm Shannon Martin from Podbean, and I'm here today to talk about monetizing your podcast. In other words, getting paid to podcast. And today will be part one. We'll talk generally about monetization and strategies, but we will also get a little more into depth about crowdfunding or patron programs. And in part two, we'll get more into depth about advertising. So let's get started. Before you consider monetizing, you want to ask yourself, of course, do you want to monetize? Uh, but assuming you're listening to this because you have an interest, we'll, uh, we'll go with that assumption. And of course, it also is about timing. So are you ready to monetize? And a lot of people ask, when's the right time? When should I ask my audience to support me or seek out advertisers? This is a very personalized question, and there is no one answer. I have seen podcasters who get started with the idea of monetizing before they even create their show and even have sponsors lined up before they have their first download. Most commonly, however, I think that people want to focus first on the quality of their content and building their audience. Those are the key foundations to being prepared to monetize. So those are the things that you want to have lined up. In the cases where people had it prepared beforehand and even had sponsors, often they were experienced with podcasting before or they had an online persona or community and relationships with those potential sponsors uh, in a specific niche. So that is possible, but it's not the most common situation. So I think more commonly you'll find that people uh, look to make money from their show once they've gotten a solid foundation. And we'll talk a little bit more about what advertisers are looking for uh, in that a bit later as well. Uh, then, of course, your goals and priorities are very important in this. So you may have some concerns, and those concerns may be justified. You may worry that uh, you're going to alienate an audience by asking for donations or by adding advertising to your show, or that you're going to distract yourself from the work that it takes. Uh, those are important things to consider. It's con important to consider the risks uh, and the benefits. So will you make enough money from doing these monetization strategies to make it worth the extra time that you need to put in? And we'll talk about that more as well as some of the resources that can help you to make it simpler because it can be very complex and it can be very simple with some of the tools and platforms that are out there. So what are the ways to monetize a podcast? Uh, there are some primary ways. Uh, the most commonly known probably is thinking about advertising, and we will get into that in part two. The second one, which we'll go into more depth about today, is listener support. This is also often known as patron programs, crowdfunding, uh, or listener donations. So this is where your listeners uh, support you voluntarily. The third one is also listener support, but it's where you sell content, premium content. This might mean you sell a subscription or you sell uh, individual episodes. So uh, this is often used for people who provide a lot of educational value in their content or they provide a basic show and then they get into more depth with bonus content uh, or, or things that are almost akin to courses. Uh, selling products is another common way to monetize a show. This can be anything from show swag, like t-shirts and hats and mugs, to selling digital products like online courses, uh, e-books, and uh, maybe access to a private group or coaching uh, type session. So there's all kinds of um, products that can be sold. 
Similarly, indirect monetization um, kind of dovetails with that. And indirect monetization means you may not make money directly from your podcast, um, but it does lead to income. So often this is used for people that are marketing services and the company that, that they own or what they do for a living um, by their expertise on their podcast where they're building influence, um, connecting with people through their podcast, which enables them to get hired as a speaker or a coach or to get work in their chosen field. So those are some of the indirect ways. Uh, I think that's often underestimated as something that's more commonly done out there and something that a lot of people may want to consider, uh, even when considering uh, creating a podcast and what's the benefit. Okay, so we'll get a little bit more into uh, the crowdfunding aspects here, and also called listener support, and also known as patron programs. And I'll share a little bit of information from our Podbean patron program shortly. Um, and this is, crowdfunding seems to be a hot new buzzword. People hear about Kickstarter and Indiegogo and similar platforms where people raise money uh, typically to launch a product and, and sometimes to um, provide a service. Um, but it's not anything new. Uh, there's been patrons of the arts for many years that have supported artists' great work. And NPR is a great example of an audio an audio creation, uh, audio creators that are supported um, primarily by listeners. So it's, it's not something uncommon, and it's something that kind of has a long history. So some of the most commonly common questions we get about this or some of the reactions I typically hear are things like, why would someone pay me for something when they can get it for free? And people also feel uncomfortable asking for donations. And that's why I remind people frequently that the NPR model, uh, that this mirrors that because um, a lot of people are quite used to that model and when they have that um, comparison, they understand a little more. So I think if you feel comfortable about what you're creating and what you're providing to the audience, um, it may be something worth considering. So when you're thinking about um, setting up uh, uh, ability for listeners to support you, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Uh, a lot of people have the ability for someone to give a one-time donation. I've heard from several podcasters who actually had listeners reach out and say they wanted to support the work and sometimes even sent a PayPal um, donation over knowing the person's email address without, uh, without even having that set up. So you can set up simple um, buttons on your site for PayPal donations or other means of getting donations. You can also use third-party processors. There's a lot of plugins and services out there. Uh, here are a few mentioned on this page. So that's one thing you can do. Um, more typically with, um, with podcasting, people are looking at ongoing support because it's, podcasting very nature is that it's an ongoing project. So uh, podcasters can look at crowdfunding platforms. Uh, there are many out there that are well-known like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. Uh, those are geared more towards one-time projects or products typically. So you work up to a certain date of uh, asking for support, and then the product or the project launches. And with other crowdfunding platforms that have been created for creators specifically, such as Patreon and Podbean's podcast crowdfunding platform, these are focused 
on the ability for people to support you on an ongoing basis. So it can be set up a couple of different ways on Patreon, um, and I will get into a little more detail of how we've set it up with Podbean. So you can see the address there, patron.podbean.com. It is available for any podcaster, no matter where you're hosted. You simply submit your RSS feed and create uh, your page there, and it's very integrated with your podcast, and we'll share a little more about that in a minute. It is centered around monthly donations, so supporting your continued work on a monthly basis. Uh, people say, I want to donate one or five dollars or whatever, and then they're charged that on a monthly basis. So to get a little bit into how to set up a successful uh, patron program for a podcaster, um, you hear a lot of talk about the rewards. And these are the things that people will get for being a supporter at a certain level. Uh, I will share that the most popular levels are often the lower levels. There's a lot of listeners who are willing to support you. They enjoy the work you're doing. And for one, two, or three dollars per month, they, it's something they can afford and they feel it's it's worth at least that. Uh, for those types of levels, you usually don't really give much in terms of rewards. Uh, typically, what we see is someone just says, hey, if you give us a dollar, you know, we're very thankful, and here's what we're going to continue to create. Or we might list you in the show or in the show notes or on our website. So there's different um, options like that. Uh, as you get to higher levels, you typically want to provide something more, more robust, more direct. And I always think of it from the perspective that most of your listeners want more of you. They want more of your subject, your show, your community. They want to be part of it. That's the kind of thing they're looking for. <clears throat> they may also be interested in rewards that relate to your topic. And there may be products and things for your show like that. But a lot of the, what they really are looking for is more access to you and your show. <clears throat> so you can get very creative with this. Uh, I also, a, a couple words of warning. Um, one is that when you offer to thank listeners, say, on your show or to list them somewhere, just be cautious of that. Um, for instance, if you're going to read their names in the show, just realize that if you do get so lucky as to get hundreds of patrons at that level, uh, that's potentially going to be a problem to do that during your show. So think through this a little bit uh, as you're setting it up. Uh, and similarly, with some of the higher-level rewards, if you're going to offer extra content or to do subjects of shows specifically on what a patron uh, wants or to do something special like that, uh, it is going to take you a certain amount of work. So you have to determine if that makes sense at that level. So here's some examples of some of the rewards of some of our uh, Podbean uh, patron program podcasters. And you can see that a lot of what I talked about is what they do. So they talk about one of the shows offers for a $25 per month donation that the person can pick an item for them to review on the show. And uh, this, I believe, is maybe a gaming show or a technology show. So it's a great fit. Again, it's that more access uh, rewards in that way. Um, there's also uh, a $5 pledge up there that shows where the person gets bonus content. And then there's a $20 example where they can be a guest on the podcast. Those are all things that are great. Uh, other things you can do are digital type of rewards, uh, virtual rewards. So access to a special newsletter, a special Facebook group, 
uh, a Google Hangout with the show hosts uh, once a month, all of those kind of things. So if your listeners enjoy the type of content you provide, they enjoy you, they often feel a very, very much an affinity towards you, these are the kind of things that they may donate a little more to have access to. But don't forget that a lot of them are just glad to support your show because they appreciate what you're doing, and so those lower levels can be important. So it, it varies quite widely what we see from those that have been successful with it. Um, we, we've had one podcaster who's quite successful um, with a higher level donation, and he has a book that's quite sought after that he gives for that. So uh, show swag and actual products can also be something you give out, but remember that will require you to do some fulfillment of those things. Uh, because Podbean offers a premium option for those that are hosted with us, uh, they can tie in offering bonus content and that kind of thing with um, their patron program. That's one option. And I believe Patreon also offers a private RSS feed for the same type of thing. So when you're doing a crowdfunding campaign, you want to have a great, compelling story. In your case, a lot of your listeners are going to understand what your podcast is about, but you want to emphasize to them what your goals are in asking for support and what you're hoping to uh, continue to do. A video is always very compelling in crowdfunding. People like to see and hear from you. Um, it can be it doesn't have to be perfectly produced, but just an honest uh, discussion of kind of why you've started this, and it, it personalizes things. Um, and, of course, the number one thing with this is going to be promotion and getting the word out there and, of course, mentioning it in your show. don't have to be obnoxious about it, but if you have this, you have to mention that you have it so that your listeners can know. One thing we've done with our Podbean platform is to have an integrated button right in our app when they're listening to your show as well as on your site. And if you're not hosted with us, you can add a button to your site easily. But if someone does listen in our app, it makes Super simple. Uh, I talked a little bit about management. Communication is also important, of course, thanking your sponsors. We offer a comment section that's specific just to patron supporters um, with the Podbean tool. So just remember, listeners often feel more engaged when they become supporters. You'll be surprised that they'll often say things like, I was feeling guilty before when I wasn't giving to your show. I was I've always wanted to donate because I thought you did great work and a lot of these kind of things. So when you're worried about asking for money, um, those are some important things to consider. And if you go to patron.podbean.com, you can look at some of our successful campaigns and uh, look at some of the rewards they're offering, their goals, and some of the um, successes that they've had to give you some ideas of how that can work for you. We'll talk next time a little more about advertising and some more details.
right, North Carolina, South Carolina governors tell the more tell more than one million people ordered. They tell those folks to evacuate. If they don't, they are on their own. So, folks, if you're in the eye of the hurricane, get the hell out of there. I'm looking at it right here on the computer uh, video of it, uh, uh, the path of this hurricane uh, uh, bearing down on South and North Carolina. Uh, Florence, we heard this hurricane. It's not nothing to joke about, folks. If 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 you're out there and folks in California heed every word what the mayor is saying, what the governor is saying, the president isn't saying a damn thing. But anyway, get out of there. If, if you stay, if you decide to go down with the ship, that's up to you. But that's a dumb decision. I mean, because if you lose your house, your home, or whatever, you're in good shape to to restart your life, to do this stuff again, to rebuild your life. So uh, if you're in the eye of, these, of this hurricane down here in the south, uh, I'm looking at the state of Georgia. I'm looking at this, uh, not, not the state of Georgia, but this, but the um, the state. Yeah, the state of Georgia, Atlanta, uh, North Carolina's Myrtle Beach, Cape Fear, uh, Moorhead City. I mean, folks, get out. We want you to live. We want you to be. Uh, able to rebuild and you will be able to rebuild if you get out if you want to go down with the ship most of the time that's deadly (laughs) that's fatal but uh you know for those who do want to get out of uh harm's way i applaud you live Long enough to be able to get those things again. Okay? That's all it's about. Get those things. Your life is more precious than, you know, a house. If you can afford to get that, especially if you have insurance on it. I mean, anybody who lives in hurricane <laughs> in hurricane uh, areas, they should always have hurricane house insurance. You know, some sort of insurance because this could happen. And if you have that, you might there's no there's nothing to keep you from leaving and living uh to see another day. But anyway, my heart goes out to all of those folks uh down in uh, down in the Carolinas. The governors are saying get out, get out, get out. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. We have just about a couple more minutes left into the show, folks, and I want to thank everybody. I want to thank my guests Tory Terry, if I if I can get his name right, I'm always twisting and messing something up. But anyway, I want to thank him for uh, uh, doing the show and uh, wish him a lot of luck in his life endeavors, uh, and so on and so forth. I want everybody out there to vote blue, always vote blue. We want to take back the House and the Senate. We need to take take it back, take back all of it. Even the governorships around America, we need to take those back also. So vote, 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 and keep voting until we get these scoundrels out of office. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Stormy Daniels is having a book come out. Yeah, another book about Donald Trump. 
And uh, like I said, a lot of people are writing books about Donald Trump, but the only ones that are going to get any play are the f- most famous people, which is Stormy Daniels, um, Katie Turr, Bob Woodward, of course. Um, he may take Donald Trump down single-handedly as he helped to take down Nixon in, I believe, it's 73 or 74 that he took Nixon down with Carl Bernstein um, in Watergate. But this is this shit we got going now um, is is 20 times more than Watergate. It really is. It really is. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you blow, vote blue. The upcoming. <laughs> I'm stuttering. Uh, make sure you vote blue in the upcoming um, midterms election. Vote blue and vote vote always. Vote long. Uh, if someone's not registered, get them registered and drag them to the polls so they can vote. Okay. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show once again. Uh, enjoy your day. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy the morning. And w- whenever you find yourself listening to the show, folks, after it is podcasted, you make sure that uh, you uh, enjoy it. And no time for feeling depressed. No time for feeling lonely. No time for feeling helpless. We can do something to take back our country. The George Wilder Jr. Show is with you.
from the mighty and the mighty from the small.